Victory Podcast. Welcome into the first episode of the off-season edition of the Second of Victory Podcast. Austin Nelson here with my two co-hosts, Chris Carter and Brett Batchelor. What's going on, fellas? What's going on, boys? How are we doing tonight? We're good, doing well. Hey, we're doing really well because we have a special guest, friend of the show. Um, You guys know exactly who I'm talking about. Um, Executive producer and spotter for Titans Radio, Mr. Rhett Bryan. Rhett, how are you, sir? I am good. I have uh, had a couple of weeks to rest up from the unbelievably crazy season and uh, unwind a little bit, reconnect with my family. Like, who are these people? And I come home, they're like, who are you? Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, it's all good. <laughs> I, I got I, I got a chance to catch my breath, and so here I am. No, thank you for uh, for taking some time and hanging out with us for a little bit and kind of picking your brain. And um, I know we got a good a lot of good stuff to get to, but I, I will tell you this too: you have one of my favorite Twitter handles. I just it comes off the tongue easy at Rep B Tennessee. I just had to had to throw that out there. So, um, well, I do want to start with you. You're welcome. It's something I when I come across your name, I just I say it every time, but. <laughs> Um, Dawn, Dawn Davenport, she said, hey, Rhett B, Rhett B, Rhett B, Tennessee. I'm like, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, at least I'm not alone then. Um, nope. Well, I just, before we get kind of, you know, down to the Titans, I want to kind of get your take. We're, we're big Titans fans, obviously, but we're also huge football fans. And I'm a, I'm a realist. And I love to talk about other things besides the Titans. Um, the Jacksonville Jaguars, they go out and get Urban Meyer. They have a lot of cap space, number one pick. Things look attractive for them. Then you have the Houston Texans. Um, a total dumpster fire there. And then the Colts, who are just kind of, you know, you could think a quarterback away. Then you have the Titans. So, in your opinion, go around if you want to, what is your opinion on the state of the division? Well, you've outlined it very well right there. Because <laughs> okay. you, you've got Bill O'Brien is, you know, now an offensive coordinator at Alabama and uh, did his best to implode that whole thing with his uh, dual duties as general manager of the Houston Texans. Uh, I, I can't believe that deal is in the state of affairs that it is. Uh, I, I firmly think that you've probably seen the last of, uh, you know, J.J. Uh, Watt probably in a Texans uniform. Deshaun Watson, I think there's no doubt he clearly wants out of this whole thing. So we're going to see where they are in all of this. And going back to the Bill O'Brien part, I mean, they don't have a, a – a pick till the third round in the, what the next two drafts or whatever. So uh, that is, you know, a, a dumpster fire is a good way to describe it. Austin, that's really good. Um, Jacksonville looking to turn the page. They jettisoned their former general manager and Doug Marone was let go. And so here's Urban Meyer, uh, first overall pick, ton of money. I guess it just depends on what they do. And, you know, most everyone believes they'll go Trevor Lawrence uh, out of Clemson one overall. And uh, I wouldn't disagree. I'd probably do that too, because that is their glaring need. And they could even use, uh, you know, a Gardner Minshew maybe as trade bait for somebody else. Cause you're going to see some quarterbacks change addresses in this. And that gets to the yes. next team in the division with the Indianapolis Colts who have seen a ton of coaches departure in this thing being picked off of there for coaching jobs elsewhere. Um, Philip Rivers does a one and done. I hope Matthew Stafford does not come to this division. I'd love to see him go to Denver and work with Vic Fangio and those guys out there. That would be the perfect setting with him with that rocket arm and the uh, altitude. Yeah. Uh, but he could go to the Indianapolis Colts who, you know, outside of some injury situations and things, you know, they, they, they were really close. They were, 
And um, I really think it's still down to the Indianapolis Colts and the Tennessee Titans in this division when yeah. you're talking long-term and certainly in 2021. Brad, as we're, as we're talking about league-wide, league I want to ask you about five quarterbacks that are, uh, that are veterans in the NFL, and I want you to tell me your prediction on where they're starting next year. Uh, first one, Dak Prescott. Wow. Let me think about this. <laughs> we're putting you on the spot here. Let's think, yeah. Let's think about who needs a quarterback. Okay. Dak Prescott. What a great boy. You stumped me right mm -hmm. off, <laughs> off the bat. Off the bat. What if Dak Prescott is a New England Patriot? Oh wow! Wow! What? A, what? I I hadn't even put that one. Yeah, that's that outside would be the box. A great fit. Thinking. Yeah, that would be a great fit. Okay, uh, next one. This is a guy we kind of heard some news about today, uh, so I, I threw him on the list. But Jared Goff. Uh, yeah. Rumors, rumors that the Rams may may look to part with him, but they haven't even started paying him that big contract yet. So. And that's where the whole thing with this offseason of the NFL lies, is where does the cap end up in this mm -hmm. thing? Because clearly only one of those teams, like a Jacksonville, uh, who has the money and they've rolled over cap money, uh, would be able to absorb something like that. Because you see the numbers somewhere, as some as low as $180 million, some as generous as $195 million, but way off of what it was in, in 2019 and 2020. So it just depends on that. Um, all right. So what, let's, let's take another stab. What about if Jared Goff plays for the Washington football team? Ooh, wow. it's a good one. I'm this liking, where this, good I'm liking one. where this is going so far I, to, to say, I couldn't believe I saw the reports about that today, Chris. Um, I saw that it, it was an open competition from McVay. You know, these could be you know, true or false reports, but just to see his name, um, you know, beating the Seahawks in the division, uh, the wild card and making it to the divisional round. I, I just, I don't see, if I had a guess right now, I don't see him moving, but I do, I do like the spot that you said, Ray. Yeah, I do too. All right. Next, next up, uh, a former NFL MVP here. What about Matt Ryan? You know, my gut tells me that Arthur Smith has him for another year. Yeah. Um, but Atlanta's got the fourth overall pick and can take their guy the future. We'll see how that plays out. But let's say let's say Matt Ryan goes to the Big Apple to play for the New York Jets. Oh, I could actually see that. <laughs> this is I can awesome. see that. Yeah, I could really see that. All right. So the next guy on the list, you, you kind of spoke about it a little bit, but I, I, I want your I want your prediction here. Matthew Stafford. Uh, I do think Matthew Stafford. Uh, my my head says he probably goes to Indianapolis. Yeah, my yeah. heart yeah. really wants him to go to the Denver Broncos because yeah. that would be yeah. and really either place would be a great fit for him. Sure, and Indianapolis would have him as a star piece that is maybe what is the finishing piece they need to compete for a championship. And uh, I but, think. Uh, I think we another thing we saw this week with Stafford was that the Niner, Niners had reached out. About... And, you know, that's interesting, too, to see how I've, I've kind of been watching them in this because uh, the Niners have the 12th overall pick, which this is a good year for quarterbacks in this draft. But to see how they have fallen out of favor with another guy that's gotten paid in Jimmy Garoppolo, who can't seem to stay healthy in this thing, 
Yeah. Uh, that's an interesting scenario there. And, and I don't know who it was, but I heard somebody recently uh, in the last few days say that there could be as many as like eight quarterbacks, veteran quarterbacks that change addresses in this, which is really mm. crazy considering it's not just free agency we're talking about. It's just straight up moves like Deshaun Watson forcing a trade somewhere else. Um, Speaking of Deshaun be, Watson. Yeah, where do I think he goes? That's yeah. the last one, the big fish. <laughs> well, I think like a lot has been written and, and speculated on, I think he'd go. I think he'd be a, a perfect fit for the Miami Dolphins in that division. Mm-hmm. And then how how ironic would it be if the Houston Texans got back some of those draft picks yeah. that Bill O'Brien dealt away? Uh, that'd be a great spot for him. And and uh, listen, Brian Flores has done a fantastic job with that team, especially yeah. on their oh, yeah. defense. Uh, that's that's a guy. I mean, Deshaun Watson has proven enough to me in the division that he's playing in. He's that quarterback that is worth two or three franchise wins every year, just him being on your squad. So that's how I would say it. That's just my very uneducated guess. But I'm able to quick be a quicker thinker because I've been enrolled. I think I'm now a rising junior or a senior in the the CMSOB, the Coach Mack School of Ball. I love that's it. That's good. That's, that's awesome. Good. That's great. I'm going to be thinking about that Dak Prescott in New England fit yeah. the rest of the week. Yeah. Yeah, because remember no, I mean, they got Cam Newton on a one-year, one million dollar mm-hmm. deal. So that's yeah. that's not a yep. given that he comes back. Right. Right. I love it. Uh, Chris, I I want to add before I head into my question. I want to see if I can add uh, two more to the end of yours for Rhett. Okay. Um, actually, I just thought of him, but the first one for me, uh, Mr. Rhett, would be uh, Carson Wentz. And what do you think happens in Philadelphia? Well, they have a new regime there as Doug Peterson has let go. Mm-hmm. And let's see, they hired Nick Sirianni, the offensive coordinator mm-hmm. for the Colts, right? Right. Uh, I guess it depends on what he sees in what where that is because the one place i haven't mentioned that needs a quarterback is the chicago bears yeah um now you know that you'd be trading within the conference but out of their divisions respectively um i I just wonder if that's some kind of deal there because chicago is one of these that needs a, a quarterback and they're sitting at 20th overall they could get one there but most of the big picks of the litter would be gone by then sure because I think this is a, a draft people, where you're going to have five or six taken in the first round. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people had mentioned Carson Wentz to Indianapolis because of the connection there. Do you think that's even okay. a chance still or, or no? It depends on – now, they've got the money to absorb the big money mm-hmm. he's making. So, there's one of the teams, you know, it just has, it's unfortunate for Titans fans that, you know, <laughs> two of the, the biggest spenders in this coming up offseason – is the Jags and the Colts. But yeah, that's, I, you know, it could be. I think the thing that hinders something like that for a Carson Wentz is medicals because yeah. Yeah. you've yeah. got this whole COVID situation and you're trying to evaluate what you want and, and you want your medical guys to look a guy over before you, you know, as my granddad would say, buy a pig and a poke and, and make sure you're not seeing, you know, that's an old country term yeah. where you're, you're buy, buying a hog in a, in a sack that's maybe he's not quite right and he had not top choice sausage or ham. So I uh, just showed how country I am. But, <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, that is possible, Brett. Uh, look, 
is there's one thing 2020 in the NFL taught us. Anything is possible. I mean, think about this. Yeah. Tom Brady changes teams, and he is taking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers <laughs> to their first Super Bowl in 18 years, oh, 17, unreal. 18 years. And they, I never thought I would ever see a team play in their home stadium on their home turf for the world championship. I just didn't think it would ever yeah. would right. happen. Uh, the other one that I wanted to add on to Chris's question real quick was it's kind of a situation that that's going down in Miami. You mentioned about the, the fluid quarterback situation is what about Pittsburgh and what do you think they think bring big Ben returns or do they go a different direction? Well, early indications are is that big Ben felt good and, and, you know, all right from his repaired elbow from, from 2019 that kept him out most of the year and that he early indications are he'd like to return. We'll see what happens with that, but there's some, there's some chemistry issues with that team. Juju is not the same Juju. Um, so you had Chase Claypool making up for a lot of the things there. Eric Ebron, likes to talk a lot at the tight end position. Yeah. I, I just, something's not quite right there. Yeah. And I don't know if Ben is the genesis of it if uh, or not, but that is then, another potential landing spot for a free agent or sure. for a draft pick. And, th- and there were times this season where their running game was non-existent. Yeah. Um, and that's why, so, you know, maybe Pittsburgh goes running back instead running. of quarterback because, uh, and James Connor's a great player, but again, health issues dinged up. And just not yeah. the James Conner that we saw two, three years yeah. ago. For sure. Uh, kind of moving from the rest of the NFL back to the Titans. And we're, like we said, this is the first kind of off-season podcast we've done. When you, when you look at the Titans season as a whole, and I know that you guys were very fortunate to be one of two radio crews to travel to every single game this season. So that's awesome. For, so congrats to you guys. But you. going to that many games and things like that, what do you think was the ultimate downfall from the Titans and their playoff loss and the, and the whole season in general to not get to the FC championship game and return like they had the year before? Um, I, I don't, it, it's a, it's a combination of things. And, you know, the first thing you, you, I think you have to point to, regardless of what the conversation is about whether there's a defensive coordinator or not, it's given up almost 52% on third down on defense. You can't do that. And it just showed us and it underlines how special the Titans offense was in a landmark year under Arthur Smith with Brian Tannehill, Derrick Henry and company, because they kept them in games and outscored opponents in this thing. Giving up 52% on third down, you shouldn't have even made the playoffs, but you won the division. And yeah, you got bounced out of the first round in a home game for the third time to the Ravens, which really is bothersome uh for for longtime titans fans but i it's it's a combination of all of those things um you know and you're always going to have a game or two you you shouldn't have dropped but um the third down stuff and and that's where and and let's go this the the other step is and i know you may lead to this with draft talk but i mean they have to have pass rushers plural Mm -hmm. you need three guys opposite Harold Landry, whether it's getting one in free agency and drafting a couple, whatever it is, you need bodies. Because here's the thing, Harold Landry is never going to be a game changer, 15 sack a year guy. He is really good at what he does. And they have used the, you know, what out of him because they most of the most weeks only kept up three guys. Um, but think of what he could do with a stud on the other side who's taking the double teams. 
and that's where Harold Landry tiptoes into double-digit sacks because and, and, he, he's a disruptive force. But yeah. they got to have pass rush in this thing. And thank goodness that is one of the points of emphasis of strength in this 2021 draft. It's good for quarterbacks. It's good for mm-hmm. offensive linemen. It's good for wide receivers for the second year in a row. And yeah. pass rushers. you got to have do you, do you think that with the possibility of, of adding help to that defensive line, could Harold Landry turn into a Derek Morgan type of guy on, on that edge position? And I think that's what he is, Brett. I think that's yeah. an excellent question and an excellent comparison. A guy who is a big, strong force guy who's good against the run. He can help it a little bit in coverage, but is so disruptive yeah. and can get you seven, eight, nine sacks a year. I think that is mm-hmm. exactly who he is and what you need from him with somebody opposite him. No, that's a very yeah. good analysis, Brett. That, that is good, Brett. We've never talked about that, so I'm, I'm surprised – yeah, that's exactly who I, <laughs> I think about now when I see Harold Landry's Derek Morgan. So, yeah. yeah. Right. You mentioned needing three edge rushers. Uh, I personally think one of them is already on the roster, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Okay. What are your thoughts on Rashawn Evans moving outside? Well, I guess it depends on what the inner evaluations are of Mike Vrabel because, yeah. you know, uh, by reports, it sounds like they're going to hire a defensive coordinator. They're going to have to either promote or hire an offensive coordinator, but it depends on what that evaluation is, which is, you know, obviously what they're doing right now. And, you know, and then of course, John Robinson's down at the senior bowl, but um, I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it. And I'll tell you why Uh, you missed your best linebacker in Jayon Brown after he dislocated his elbow and was out for the year. And the problem that, that you had down the stretch is that David Long, who is very serviceable, and Rashawn Evans are the same kind of guy. They'll come up and hug against the run, but they're not that great in dropping back into coverage and a quick laterally side-to-side like a Jayon Brown is. What, and that's why I think Jayon is one of the more important free agents that you have to re-sign maybe the top of the list. Uh, to keep that speed on defense because you lacked it right there. So if you put him outside, um, I would not mind that. But uh, at what cost? That's the only question because right. how much – if you're rotating him in, him in and out, how much are you going to hurt yourself there? Um, so it, maybe there's – is there a chance he can play in the inside of that tier and on the outside of the tier? Uh, I think he's smart enough to do it. He did it at Alabama in, in stretches. So yeah. we'll see what happens, Chris. And, and I say that I've talked about this on the pod some, but um, I really feel like his uh, his decision making is better suited for for an outside edge rusher. Uh, it seems to be, especially. I mean, we see it on the goal line every time when he thinks less, he makes plays. Uh, and, and and he is edge, quick. Yes. Yeah. 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 And Very. and edge at edge uh, as a as a designated pass rusher, you know. He's thinking a lot less, uh, has to make a whole lot less decisions. And I think he would excel there. Um, and I think that also helps, you know, salvage a long-term future with him as well. Yeah. And it, you're right. In those scenarios, he is more of an instinctive read and react player instead of see ball, get ball, just yeah. do, you know, cause that's, that's the kind of dude that David Long is in this thing. Um, but that's, that, that's an interesting question. And I guess we'll see what happens. I guess, you know, it's going to depend on free agency. It's going to depend on the draft uh, and what they do. 
So, Rhett, these 2020 playoffs have been exciting. Uh, they've been a little head-scratching, a little maddening for, you know, if you're a Titans <laughs> fan. But um, I want to talk to you about analytics. And so I want to refer to the first, uh, you know, the game that you were there for and, we, you know, we watched uh, the fourth and two punt. Um, you saw that and you kind of wonder, you know, why, why did you run, not run the ball in second and two? Why did you not run the ball in third and two? Why did you punt on fourth and two? And then you fast forward to uh, Green Bay just on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Packers are down eight uh, inside their 10. Uh, all you need is a touchdown and a two-point conversion to tie the game. Instead, Matt LaFleur overthinks it and kicks a field goal, has all his timeouts left, but we know what happens after that. Why do teams overthink these analytics? Um, I think if we're talking video games, we're playing Madden, I think we would have <laughs> – I would have, I would have uh, went for it on fourth and two. I would have tried to score, on, you know, on fourth and eight, whatever it was for for Green Bay. Why do these coaches overthink analytics? Well, I mean, obviously, I can't step inside the minds sure. of those two guys to to see what's what. But I think sometimes it's just a a react decision. It's just because I mean, there's so many dang things going on, right? And I remember, and uh, you know. I looked at Mike, Mike Keith looked at me and we're like, you know, there's like 10 minutes and 42 seconds or 24 seconds, whatever it was. He must feel like his defense is playing okay and can get it back and and give it back to the offense. And they were. And they were. They were playing better. They were were not the typical 52% on third down kind of thing. Um, And then they let Lamar Jackson loose. But, um, you know, so – I can see that in that case, uh, though it is the very unconventional thought process there sure. in that particular down and distance. And now <laughs> the LaFleur one Sunday night really puzzled me. I didn't. Yeah. I mean, you've got Aaron Rodgers throwing daggers, man. I, you know, I just, I, I didn't understand that one at all. But And it's and, also and, a case of, it's a case of knowing who you're going against too. I mean, it's, you're, you've got Tom Brady across the field from you, you know? I don't, and, I don't know. And, I, and I conversely, and conversely, I thought Green Bay's defense has been pretty doggone good all year. Sure, they yeah. kept letting them off yeah. the hook on third yeah. and long, third and seven, mm-hmm. third and yeah. nine, third and seven, third a and lot. nine. Yes, you're right. I mean, he is he is just picking them apart, man. I mean, it's Godwin or it's Evans, yeah. and if it's not him, it's Miller, and it's just and it's like, golly, man, or Cameron oh. Bray. All the plays that Rodgers and Devontae Adams made all year, you 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 mean they could have made one more on fourth and eight, throw a, a fade up in the end zone. It could sure. have happened. Honestly, it, it it that one threw me through the earth off its axis sure. for me in terms of because I thought <laughs> after they beat the Titans like a drum that Christmas weekend up yeah. there on Sunday night football, I, I turned to Mac, Coach Mac, and I said, Listen, I think we just may have seen the best team in football, and if they continue to play like this. They're going to be playing for the whole yeah. crapshoot. I thought so too. And just to see how Tom comes to Tampa. Of course, the weather doesn't bother him because of his career where he mm-hmm. played. But it's just that dude is playing in another Super yeah, Bowl. He's he been is. in the league over just over twenty years, and he's going to his tenth Super yep. Bowl. Fifty percent success rate. Great stat I heard today, and I heard it yesterday, I believe, but I heard it again today. Tom Brady's. Um, career Super Bowl percentage is forty eight percent, I believe. His th- how many times he's gone to Super Bowl is higher than Steph Curry making a three. Yep, forty eight percent. That's ridiculous. Steph <laughs> Curry is, makes Steph, a three. 
Steph Curry makes. I was going to say he makes. I mean, yeah, he makes the greatest three point shooter in NBA history. Yes. Yeah, I mean he makes Reggie Miller look subpar. It looks like a <laughs> exactly. Reggie Miller looks looks like a kindergarten yeah. party back in the eighties and nineties. Ten wow. times in his career, and some teams don't sniff. You know, one time it's it's unreal. We'll never see it and, again. And you know the thing, the key to all of that though, and it's true what Bruce Arian said the other day about just letting Tom do Tom. Yeah. And, and as Coach Max says, his whole philosophy, Arian's philosophy, is no risk it, no biscuit. Sure. And so if you sling it and you throw a pick, no, so what? Let's get the ball back yeah. and let's do it again. And that's evidenced by the year before mm-hmm. when you yeah. had a Jameis Winston throw 30 touchdowns but threw 30 picks to go mm-hmm. with him. I, I had seen a stat before as well that said that quarterbacks under their first year or quarterbacks in their first year under Bruce Higgins, each quarterback that he had coached their first year under him had thrown the most interceptions in their, in their entire career. So when, when Tom was throwing interceptions earlier this season, I wasn't necessarily, I don't want to say surprised, but like I kind of saw it coming because it was coming off a year with Jameis. And then obviously it was in Indianapolis and Arizona. It's a, it's a high pass rate offense. And it's obviously things like that are going to happen. And, and but, to uh, think, and, to, and, and this is the, to me, the wildest stat out of all of it, is he throws three picks in a conference championship game and lives to tell about it because Tampa's yeah. defense did so well. And, and listen, if Tampa's defense plays like that again in a couple of weeks, yeah. they're gonna he's gonna win another ring. Yes. I mean that yeah, that yeah. that's how good they have suddenly gotten in this whole thing. And that's crazy to think about when you're talking about who they're playing. But I'm like, man, you can't count that guy out. Mm-mm. It's no. ridiculous. It's gonna be a, it's uh, it's gonna go down as an all time classic Super Bowl. I'm very I will get to that in a second. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm very excited for it. Uh, kind of rolling into my next question. It's kind of uh, kind of a two parter. Austin was talking about the fourth and two. Uh, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but Mike Vrabel said that he trusted his defense mm-hmm. and what they're going to do. Kind of as you noted a second ago, it kind of I didn't strike a nerve necessarily, but it kind of came across in the way of okay, you have the best offense that Nashville has ever seen mm-hmm. and right there in your hands at, at midfield with Derrick Henry, a 2000 yard rusher and so many weapons that we've all talked about against a, a historically bad defense in Nashville terms. Does it bother you that, that he decided to go with, even though they were playing a good game all season long, he decided to bet his chips on a, a bad defense over a historical offense. I mean, yes, because it cost them, the game eventually, but no, because he's the head coach and he does what he wants. Now he does that too much <laughs> and he might be yeah. looking somewhere else, but he, there was a little glimpse of what you saw last year in, 20, in 2019 when they went in that two and four stretch. And you remember this, and I don't remember if it's particular plays like Mike Keith or like Dave McGinnis does, but there was in that stretch, there were places where he was clearly pressing the envelope because he wanted to get another win and win column and was taking a little greater chance or was, you know, decision-making was the part of the process there. And I saw that glimpse of that come back in that particular set of downs. It's what I remember in that 2019 stretch. And then once he backed off of that a little bit and they started stacking wins, because this was around the same time, you know, of course, Marcus is benched and Tannehill is you know back as the starter now and but I, that's what it reminded me of instantly well because Austin mentioned too he said if you remember the Titans in London going for it in two against the Chargers 
Yes. And then the week, the week before going forward on fourth and 11 uh, in Houston on your own side of the field, I think it just caught a lot of people off guard when you're this time on the other side of the 50, fourth and two in the playoffs. And you will, you just, it seemed like a total change of, of game plans and mindset, but. Yeah. And, and, and to your point, I mean, it, what, what, why it stands out so much is just the urgency of what it is. Cause you lose, you're going home, man. You're, yeah. you, the next day is locker room clean out day and shocking. it's all done. And that's the thing that I never, ever get used to in nearly a 25-year span of covering this team is how you can be hanging on everything in 24 hours later, guys are going, hey, man, I'll see you later. And, well, I don't know if I will or not. I'm a free agent. And you're seeing guys clean out their lockers and all these you know, contractor bags over their shoulders uh-huh. or they've collected all this junk for, for the year. And I- it's just so abruptly over. I think it's safe to say we're over uh, tight and 10 point playoff leads. I'm about, about done with that. right? <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that's a trend that I would like to see. Uh, ended. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather them cool. just do, I'd rather them do their, their regular appearance act and spot 10 points and come back and be exactly back, you know, yeah. three touchdowns or whatever. Oh man. But uh, so I, you kind of hit the free agency point earlier and we're, we're talking about this defense and how, it, how it needs help. Where do the Titans look in free agency? Do they go towards a, a Bud Dupree? Do they go towards a, a Matthew Judon, a Yannick Ngakwe? Or where do they look to get help to this defense and possibly the offense as well? Because we went over it a couple weeks ago. There are so many free agents on this Titans roster, whether it's restricted or unrestricted, that the Titans are going to have to look at other teams and see who they're losing as well to bring somebody to the roster. Well, and, and when you, but you look at, when you look at the Titans free agents, as, as we are right here uh, on this pod, um, you've got the big three and then you've got a Daquan Jones and then you've got a lot of guys who you could bring back in, in, a, in an affordable situation. Um, now, if I'm going shopping and I've got the keys to the car and I'm going to the grocery store and using the groceries analogy, analogy that, uh, that um, what's his name? He used to coach the Giants. Uh, Bill Parcells used to always use. I would, I would prefer if we're talking pass rushers, and I, I got nothing against Matt Judon, I got nothing against Yannick and Gakwe, sure. um, but who was the other one you mentioned? I'm, I'm so Bud long winded up. Bud Dupree. Bud Dupree. That'd be my. That would be my target. Bud Dupree, because he um, young guy, and I think he's going to be. I think he's 28 years old, so he's not super up in age. In this thing, and I, again, I got nothing against Judon or Ngakwe. Um, I think Shaq Barrett's another name as well. Yeah, and I wouldn't mind either one of those dudes. No. Now, Shaq Barrett's price has gone up because sure. he's falling. Yeah. Him and JPP just absolutely tearing it up last okay. week in the conference championship games. So if you look at their free agents, Jadavian Clowney, that's not going to happen. He's not coming back. I didn't just uh, that's not going to work. It didn't work. Um, but the big three is is obviously Corey Davis, Jayon Brown, John Smith. Yeah. And if I had to put the importance again, it's Jayon Brown for me because defense is where you're you're having a problem. Corey Davis, I'd love to have him back, but somebody's going to give him silly money in free agency, mm-hmm. and he will go elsewhere. And and I hate that, but that's the that's the way this thing goes. Uh, John o. Smith, maybe you could get him back. You're going to have to look at something because all your tight ends are free agents in this thing. But when you get past Daquan Jones, Corey Davis, Jayon Brown, and Jonu Smith, it's not terrible. 
because you're getting into the Tyson Bralos, Michael Bruitt, uh, Will Compton, Nick DeZubnar. DeZubnar I'd like to have back because he did really well on special teams, and that's a place where you need help there. And you get on down to the list. Um, I'd love to see him bring Anthony Ferkser back. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a possibility you could do that. He would be affordable. Um, so, again, it goes down to what is the cap? Where do they finally set that? What is it? And we're going to know that pretty soon. And, and then what you're going to do, because here's the thing. You're not going to have a ton of money to go shopping. So that no. means you're going to have to make some moves on the roster. And if that is, you know, redoing um, a, a Mal- Taylor Lewan, Malcolm Butler, getting that Malcolm Butler. And no. then, you know, you don't know about the health situation with, with Humphreys who, you know, that's a lot of money for that guy. And when he's yeah. on and healthy, he, the slot machine is the deal, but he, he yeah. unfortunately has not had that. So there's some places where you can free up some cash and go shopping, but Bud Dupree would be at the top of my list. Brett, one name you didn't mention uh, for the Titans that I, I personally think should be a priority is Desmond King. What are your thoughts on him? It depends on what you do in the draft because you know, let's say you stay at 22 and you get um, Asante Samuel Jr. out of Florida State. You know, what if he's sitting there? I, you you got to figure that Patrick Sertan is going to be the first corner off the board. I think he's the pick of yeah, the litter. Sure, sure. Uh, but it depends on what you're doing there. Um, I think Desmond King was a nice addition. I don't think he's the end-all, be-all. Um and again, maybe he's an option you can bring back for a friendly deal. We'll see what happens. But um, I think you've got other options if you want to pursue it. So right now the Titans are at the Senior Bowl um, scouting and, and meeting with guys. And it could be their only chance to meet with guys because of COVID and protocols and things like that. So it's only to, you know, get some, some one-on-one time. So I read an article um, and it was saying – that last year when John Robinson was at the Senior Bowl, he met with the media and he said some things uh, to the media about positions. And he ended up drafting a few of those positions. So they were saying um, this year he met with the media again and named some positions. Um, will he draft the same time? So what I mean by that is last year he talked about the running backs. He drafted Darrington Evans. Mm-hmm. He talked about some tackles. He drafted Isaiah Wilson. Uh, talked about some cornerbacks. He drafted Christian Fulton. So this year, he said this yesterday, I believe, he talked about um, – the defensive front seven that needs help. Um, he yep. talked about edge rushers and he said there's good value uh, in the offensive lineman. Uh, tied in is a heavy crop and then some pretty good um, wide receivers. Mm-hmm. So, not saying he's correlated at all, but is it, is it an indication possibly that he's going to draft some of these guys that he talked about? He's watching who in particular, do you, what position groups do you think he's and, watching and I, in, in Mobile? And I hop in real quick. I think yeah. that is pretty stable throughout J-Rob's career as yeah, sure, yeah. general manager. Yeah. He kind of always talks about the yeah. positions he's going to go after. And, and Chris, you're right, because if the people who have paid attention, it's kind of like hiding in plain sight. He's told you yes. basically what he's doing, but his tone and his delivery maybe was kind of coach speaky. And, you know, but if you're sitting there, you're like, hey, he just told us he's going to, you know. And, yeah, to answer your question, Austin, I think you're very smart to listen to what he's saying yeah. because look at the look at the things he talked about. Those are positions of need. You're potentially going to need a wide receiver if Corey Davis departs. 
Same thing with tight ends. We just discussed all of those tight ends, including Mike uh, Berkser, Swain, Michael Pruitt, John New. They're all free agents. Um, and, you know, interior defensive line, Daquan Jones has a $7 million tag that, you know, he's gone. And, and I, I don't know if you get him back for a friendly deal. And you got him on a friendly deal because if you'll remember when he signed that deal three years ago, he tore his bicep in that, mm-hmm. I think, the Arizona loss when they were, had that stretch where they yeah. lost to Arizona, lost to San Francisco. And so you got him at a friendly deal. This was the <clears throat> handsome back-end big number of it. Um, and listen, if I am going interior defensive line, Christian Barmore made yeah. a lot of sense the other night. <laughs> yeah, he did. And, and I'll tell you, another one I really like is, and he's an underclassman, in this uh, draft, and I'll be doggone if his name has escaped me here. No, sorry, I'm wasting valuable time. Here. No, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it'll come to me in a minute. But there's a there's a couple of interior defensive linemen that I really like, and but Barmore I think is is the guy out of that deal. And does he fall to 22 though? Barmore? Yeah, that's the question. I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he'd be he'd be there, um, because if you've got five or six quarterbacks taken, and then yeah. you know the other thing you're going to have there is you're going to have two or three top corners taken, Sertan and Asante uh, Samuel Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, and then then you start, and then it's a good draft for tackles, so you're going to have guys taking tackles. Um, so you know that's always Monte Smith. A, Wide yeah, receivers. Wide receivers. and, and Jalen yeah. Waddle. Yes, yep. exactly. And, and 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 Kyle Pitts will be the first tight end off yep. the board. So the, so For sure. just think about it logically. Yep. As we're mentioning all these, that's just shoving somebody really good mm-hmm. down to you exactly. at twenty two. It like, always happens that way. Yeah, yeah. So you know, yeah, I, I absolutely think that. Uh, that that he could Christian Barmore could be there absolutely. I, I also think just to, to last night on this, I think this is a, a pivotal offseason for John Robinson. Um, just of how bad looking back now, how bad his twenty twenty offseason was with free agency, the whole Vic Beasley saga, Isaiah Wilson, the draft class that barely played, you know, contributed in twenty twenty. So I think this is a big year for him. Um, the draft class needs to hit like twenty nineteen did. So um, I'm excited. There's a lot of the good things coming. And I think uh, when I, I told the guys last time on the podcast that uh, after the Ravens lost, I said, this team's going to look a lot different next year. So I think it, I think it will, but in a good way. Um, so the Titans. I, I thought of the yeah. interior defensive lineman. Sorry to interrupt. It's the guy from, from UW, from Washington. It's Levi Ozarike. Sure. He's the other one that is in that top, close to the top tier with, with, with Barmore. But let me say this. I, I think it is a, a very important year for John Robinson because you, you, your Christian Fulton pick didn't have a lot of time on the field because of yeah. injury. The Isaiah Wilson thing is a complete mystery. That's and I think if, if you if you were to pick inside the mind of John Robinson, that's probably one of the things that bugs him more mm-hmm. than the swings and the misses on the pass rush free agents that you sure. mentioned because this goes back to the evaluation process and stuff that he's done so well at. I mean, before this, Kevin Dodd has been the one asterisk beside his draft work, right? And, you know, 
but you're right. And so again, a combination of things uh, is kind of where it's at. And I, I, I just can't help but think he is probably going to outwork the room when it comes to this stuff and trying to get things back on track like he wants. Because I guarantee mm-hmm. you there's no worse critic than himself. It's who he is. Sure. You're right. For you're, sure. you're 100% correct. Um, all right, so the Titans need some coaches to coach these players we're talking <laughs> about. What's up? I mean, what, what do you think the Titans go in the coordinators? Feel free to break some news, Red, if you've heard it. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> oh, and, and Chris now reveals the true reason uh-huh. why I was invited to the Exactly. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll say this. Um, you know, if you're going in-house – there's a couple of options. Obviously, yeah. the most uh, obvious one who has experience is uh, Todd, um, Downing. The tight ends, Todd Downing. Yeah, Todd Downing, the tight ends coach, because he was an OC for you know a year in 2017 mm-hmm. with the Oakland Raiders. Um, you hear Keith Carter's name mentioned a lot, the offensive mm-hmm. line coach in this thing. Do they go look outside? I don't know. Um, you know that kind of stuff, and that's something I, I think is interesting about. John Robinson and Mike Grable is they keep all that stuff pretty, pretty hush. I mean, it was kind of like the balls coaching search, you know, for their head coach. It was pretty quiet. Uh, speculation a, uh, all yeah, over the place. We need a Titans uh, flight tracker. If we can get one of yes, those, we do. Nice. Yes, we do. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know what direction they go there in house yeah. or out of house. I guess time will only tell on that. And, you know, that's an important – and now that's become just as important as the defensive coordinator part of it because whoever this person is is inheriting a potent offense who has shown that it can throw up some points and touchdowns. Um, so so that's huge. And then the defensive coordinator, I think the only one I've seen reported is Terrell Austin, who is mm-hmm. a uh, senior assistant coach and, of course, has been around for a long time and actually interviewed uh, to be the head coach of the Titans a few years back. And I think that was the same coaching search when they – I think that's the year they took the interim tag off of Mike Malarkey. Uh, and I think they he interviewed and then – I can't remember who else it was. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't hate that because he has a, a, a ton of experience, uh, though a lot of it has been, I think, with, with the secondary and stuff. But, was it uh, Steve Wilkes or was that the Vrabel? Yes. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, Steve Wilkes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Do, do you think that – do you think that a guy like Pat O'Hara, who's who's seems like he's really liked in the organization, do you think he has a good chance to become the OC? You know, I, that's an excellent guess, Brett. And you know, when you look at his track record, he's coached in the Arena Leagues. I think he was a head coach in the Arena League. At, at I one think point. so. His quarterback in the Arena League, and of course, he has a cameo as a one of those in Any Given Sunday. That was he's got some uh, film. Uh, in in on the silver screen am, with that. But am I, I wrong? Get, did he didn't he also work with Adam Sandler in Waterboy? He yeah. did. He absolutely I, did. It's funny we're talking about this. Um, I don't know if you guys have Time Hop or know what Time Hop is, but it's an oh, yeah. app where you oh, can yeah. go back and check your old from years ago your old Facebook posts, Twitter posts, things like okay. that. Well, yeah. I came across I came across one today, and it was like five years ago where Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, um, talked about Pat O'Hare in a tweet. So. Just, there's some know. there's some cred some, right there. some cred right there. So yeah. Anyway. Oh hey, on, on my time hop the other day, I had something pop up said the Titans should possibly take Ryan Mallet. So it's time hop. Shows <laughs> wow. Did you go so. delete that post? Okay, uh, so I that, think I did. So that must be the time hop from hell because yeah, no kidding. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. like saying that the Titans should take Chad Kelly. 
Jim <laughs> Kelly's yeah. nephew. We've all had some bad <laughs> takes since the damn show. Right. It, was, it wasn't it wasn't, wow. it wasn't just me, but I was one of the tides to get Cam that year and Cam was obviously gone. So I just yeah. threw something out there. But obviously wow. it was a bad take. Brett, my man, come on, man. <laughs> I, I we it. need time hop to bury that one. Yeah, no we, kidding. <laughs> we need to forget that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, Rhett, I want to talk about a little bit just because you are so close with the man and he's a legend on these parts now. What what have you gained? You know, we're looking at your draft board. What have you gained in knowledge uh, from Coach Mack as you have the last couple of years? What, what, you know, what, what do you what do you learn most about the guy? We we honestly, uh, my personal relationship with him, I, I, we don't have enough time and enough podcasts to tell you everything I've learned I, from that I guy. Bet. Um, and, and it starts with just the fundamental stuff. And, now, and, and the only reason he's an open book and that he wants to teach you whoever wants to listen is you better love ball. And I love football. Always have. Um, but he taught me how to watch practice, where to watch it from. You never watch it from the sidelines. You always watch it from the end zone because you can see the play develop. And you can't see it around guys that are subbing in and out. Uh, just little things like that. And then uh, – I guess now three years ago, I said, hey, you're living in town now. I want to know how this draft works. I love the draft. I love how it is. It's the architecture of every team in the league. And the really good architects are the ones that find gems in rounds four through seven. Sure. You can you can hit on a guy in first round because the talent is there. You see it. Most everyone agrees. But it's the rounds four through seven where you, you know, really build a team in this thing. But I said, I want to know exactly how it's done, and I want to set up a board just like you would in a war room. He said, you ready to do the work? I said, yeah, let's do it. And so just learning stuff like that. And now personally, I don't know that the guy knows a stranger. I call him – I nicknamed him a couple of years ago the mayor of everywhere because it doesn't <laughs> matter where you are. Mac, Coach Mac, hey, you know, at the Combine last year. And the year before, walking down the streets of, of downtown Indianapolis, Mac, Mac, come here, let's, you know. And it's former Vikings head coach Mike Tice, or it's, I mean, oh, just, wow. just, I mean, and I'm not trying to name drop, but they're all like sure. royalty in the NFL. You know, they're all, you know, people you would know. <clears throat> and he's just, he's got, and, it, and like the six degrees of separation with Kevin Bacon. It's the six degrees of, Ke of Coach Mack. He knows everybody. Or if he doesn't, he worked with somebody who did. It's unreal. Uh, so that's a, an outstanding part of it, too. But, um, you know, just to see <coughs> excuse me, how he has attached himself to us and Titans Radio yeah. has just been a blessing. It's been Absolutely. huge. Absolutely. 100%. I listened to you guys on Mag Talk a few not, uh, I guess last week, mm -hmm. the week before. And uh, just listen to him talk, and this is by no means what he said, but he's, you know, it's called the Trailhawk, and the 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 the, the inside linebacker comes down the B gap, and the quarterback slides in here, and the outside linebacker. I mean, it's just it's it's fascinating to hear him talk, and he's correct about everything. He knows the game, studies it to a T. So you're right; it's a blessing to he have. He also him. has some of the best sayings in the game. Yes, sayings are absolutely. He absolutely does, and that's one of the reasons why I think the fan base and the Mid-South has fallen in love with him because he's from West Texas, but he sounds like we do. Sure. And <laughs> those sayings that you're talking about, Chris, it's just a West Texas variation. And, and, and there's so many of those. I'm like, my granddad would say this. He goes, yeah, my granddad would say this, but it's 
similar, but very close to the same thing. It's just a different region, you know, in terms of the dialect. And I think that's something that Titans radio listeners really love about Coach Mack is he sounds like me. And so you can relate to him. And then his personality is just unreal. And I've never seen a guy pick up a microphone and a headset and, and just become a natural at this and take a little bit of guidance. And then he's just off to the races and you're right, Chris, the, the, the football part and Austin, you, you said it right too. He knows that in his sleep. Mm-hmm. So the rest of it is just knowing the nuances going in and out with Mike and just, you know, figuring out what's what. And then of course I love that he jabbed at Mike playfully during the broadcast, you know, uh, during uh, the, the lopsided, unlikely win after the COVID outbreak that Tuesday night in, in Nashville against the, the Bills. And uh, he said, well, Matt Barkley's going to get some some mop-up worker. He said, I don't care about Matt Barkley or his mop-up work. We don't really care. You know, it <laughs> doesn't matter. He goes, okay, Mac, uh, th- that's good. It, it doesn't matter to me either. So, <laughs> and just to hear them go back and forth. Sure. And it's all organic. It's completely yeah. off the fly. Yeah. And, and Mac is hardly ever caught off guard he's always got something to say and it's always quickly and, and he has a very infectious energy on the broadcast yes. too like i you know i think i think mike feeds off of that a lot of, of yes. coach max just energy that he has and I yeah think that's excellent. And, and yeah and that's that's where he's never had a partner like him True. because yes he he could build off that in- energy because mike is known to blow a, a subwoofer a subwoofer and a mid-range and a tweeter out on a speaker calling a touchdown uh, call easily but he takes it another level with Mac and he does it is infectious and um, I I think it's interesting to hear Mac I'm air quoting here fanboy a little bit and get excited when there's a big play that develops because especially in a pivotal game you know if it's a walk-off touchdown run by you know Derrick Henry or whatever it is and he could see that play develop before anybody realizes what's about to happen and He's just all over it. Um, but yeah, it just, he has just taken Titans radio to another level. Uh, and we, golly, we're so fortunate to have a hundred percent. Staying kind of in the, in the Titans radio booth for a second. I'll also mention your radio show and coach Mac's radio show with coach Mac. And I've been obvious. Uh, I've been fortunate to talk to you guys a few times on there though. It seems like you guys have really dialed up just a, a great, friendship and, and connection what is coach mac really like outside of the booth i know you said he knows everybody but outside of the nfl world with the headset off when he's just coach mac when he's dave mcginnis not even coach mac what's I'll it like you, to have a friend like that i i can't hardly put it into words and, and uh, the best way i can explain it to you brett uh everyone had something happen to them negatively in 2020 with a, a pandemic whether, you know, your college career was up in the air as to whether you continued to play golf or not. Somebody had what, I mean, everybody's got some situation. It's, it's affected every one of us. Well, in my case, right after the NFL draft, the company that I work for put me on furlough for 90 days for three months. It's the hardest thing I've ever had to do because to be away from something that I love and take away valuable time, I need to prep for another season. Mm -hmm. He called me just about every day just to check on me. And I'm pretty sure he made sure some things got my way so that I uh, didn't have to think about groceries. I didn't have to think about, you know, 
he did because he knew it was affecting my family financially but he called me at least every other day and there were some weeks it was every day and whether it was just to cut up and think about something funny that happened on the road or just to absolute just actually check on you know is there something you need or how's things going um and you know whether it was personal or whether it was talking ball that's the kind of person that he is um you know we got back from the combine almost a year ago and we got back that friday night and that sunday night's when the tornado hit downtown and hit east nashville and coach mac lives in east nashville and it, it messed up his power for a long time because it just ripped the meter box off the outside wall of his of his apartment and you know coach mac gave all of his furniture to a family who didn't have it wow um and i mean he just i I can't there's just things like that that no one knows about um that you know he's just a great person and you know if if you make an impression on him and make a friend with him you've got a friend for life and 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 it's it's sincere um and my gosh i've never seen a guy who loves dogs anymore than coach dave really (laughs) let me tell you and and i love dogs uh we got a a a golden uh, labradoodle ourselves but he knows every one of our dogs on titans radio but everywhere we go those service dogs that says do not pet you look over there he's feeding him a (laughs) bottle of water in the hotel lobby or whatever and he's like hey come here and meet come meet come here meet chief this is chief he's a nine-year-old lab and uh you know, and, and, and he's just, he's already made friends and the dogs love him. They That's just awesome. flock to him. Like he's the dog whisperer. He's got that energy um, about him. And that tells you what kind of person he is <clears throat> yeah. because animals know and have that sense. They, they can't speak other than bark. And you can always tell a good person when animals are flocking around them. I'm a mm-hmm. big, uh, Jeff Fisher fan on Twitter. So I think if we got coach Mac on Twitter, it'd be kind of something funny and, and like that. So we got to get, we got to, Talk to him, get in his ear about getting him on Twitter. I think that'd be awesome. Well, good luck with that because he won't touch it with a 100-foot <laughs> yeah, pole. He I, just, I, I can see he it. Gets, he gets a kick out of it. People send him things. He does not have a Twitter account, not even a burner account. Sure. Because he knows <laughs> he knows what it's like. When you've been at a head coach's seat in the NFL, you know that there's very little glory and there's a lot of criticism. There's yeah. a lot of armchair quarterbacks. You, Austin, you said it earlier in this podcast. Because everyone plays Madden and everyone is a general manager with their fantasy football team. We all think we can make decisions better. And Mm -hmm. and, and until you've lived it, and he's told me some unreal stories. Um, I don't know that I'll ever see him get on social media, but he enjoys (laughs) it. And he knows. And of course, Coach Fisher, does it surprise you? He's a great Twitter follow. I mean, so good. I yeah, mean, this exactly. guy, this guy is the king of yeah. trolls. I mean, yeah, he is. I, I just, I go back to the one of the greatest trolls he ever did was that week one of the 2000 season in Buffalo, seven, eight months after the Music City Miracle, and it's on Sunday Night Football, and he has the special teams group <laughs> in, as the team introductions, not the offense, <laughs> not the defense. <laughs> He did that That's awesome. to just jab at the <laughs> Buffalo fans. Now, they lost that game. Alto Greco missed a field goal at the end, and they yeah. lost. But that's the kind of stuff he do. And Coach Mack told me another instance um, when they were uh, with the Rams 
he had the captains go out for the coin toss with all the guys that they took in the draft yeah. as a part of that trade yeah. with. I remember that. With. Yeah. I mean, he just he's just a next level troll on those things. So he takes all the seven and nine stuff with stride, and he, sure. you know, oh yeah, he is oh, yeah. so good at that stuff. But you're right, he was a easy Twitter study and a great follow. That's awesome. I uh, will wrap I'll, up with this. I'll oh, go ahead, Brett. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say too. I remember Coach Mack was on. Uh, on 104.5 a couple of weeks ago, speaking with Jonathan Hutton and those guys. And they asked him, they said, Mac, what's, what's one of your favorite stories? Kind of how you're speaking about his stories of his time in the league. They said, what's your favorite story of, of being in the locker room and on the road? And he said, well, do you want a story that I'm allowed to tell on the air or one that I'm not allowed to tell on the air? <laughs> it just seems like he has a lot of those that are definitely all over the place. Oh gosh. And, and yeah, uh, there's some of them aren't even, really for the podcast right, exactly i mean <laughs> but yeah i mean some wild stories just about players rookies that made an impression that were just weren't the brightest uh, bulb in the light bulb in the socket or, mm-hmm. or whoever uh but yeah and just the pranks that the guys would do to each other is a rookie hazing and those things unbelievable some of the stuff um there's a story about with uh when they were in with the rams when they were in st louis before they moved and i don't remember all the particular players involved but there was uh in their situation where their practice facility is there was a parking situation and they had asked the players to move prior to going on a road trip to go play the seahawks because they're in that division and whoever it was ignored it and coach fisher hired some contractors to come and build like what you would see like a a a life-size dollhouse around and this is around christmas time around their cars completely encased no way to get in or out and fully finished and then hung lights and strung and so when they get back in the middle of the night from this game and i think they actually beat the seahawks and they're like where's my car where's my car and i think that it was like might want to go check over there and so they had to hire someone to tear these things down, these, these houses, these little, it would be like the, 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 uh, the equivalent of like a tiny house, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And their yeah. cars are encased inside, and there's no way they can get in there out of these things except to basically demo it. But they, oh, didn't, they didn't leave their cars in those lots like that. When they were asked to move, oh, yeah. they did it the next time. But, uh, wow. you know, and it's 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning. They're all going home because – you know, they, they've had a long road trip and they're standing there with their hands <laughs> in their pockets going, what do I do next? <laughs> That's awesome. That's so Amazing. good. All right. Well, we appreciate your time, but I want to end on this one. Um, and I think you'll, you'll like answering this. We talked about it a lot on our last podcast, but so many touchdowns, so many great moments, so many bad moments uh, last season from the Titans. What was your favorite? You had a great view every single game. What was your favorite single moment from last season? I mean, it's got to be, for me, it's got to be the, the the doink field goal that goes in to win the AFC South Division. I said the same thing. It's hard not to um, agree with that. When you're talking about only the third time the franchise has won it in, yeah. you know, 11, 12 years since you've done it, that's it because that was the – that's the main goal every year outside of, you know, we want a Lombardi trophy. Well, how do you do that? You win your division so you can have home playoff games to try to do those things. And no, that didn't work out, but to do that in Houston and in the dramatic fashion that it, that it uh, was 
because there's still animosity there between the city. I mean, they want so badly to wear oh, those yeah. Columbia blue uniforms with the oil derricks on it, and that will never happen. Never. <laughs> as long as Amy Adams Strunk is the controlling owner of that team, it will oh, yeah. never happen. Because she, she knows her father will jump out of the grave and get her for doing that. Oh, yeah. And she wouldn't do it in the first place. Um, but that's that's got to be it for me, Austin, because it was – it was really great, you know. One of these bad boys. There it is, right there. Had Bruce Matthew can't see that. Bruce Matthew signed that. Very nice. Very. So, now, did you did you catch him out uh, after so, a game, walking up, going to the player parking lot? Or so I have a uh, longtime family friend. My dad passed. I'm not going to side note here, guys, but my dad passed over when I was five years old. Oh my god. Best friend who was a longtime sportscaster in the Buffalo area, Pittsburgh area, that kind of thing. And uh, he, uh, I guess, called a uh, Steelers-Oilers game back back then and got Bruce to – that was my dad's favorite player, was Bruce Matthews. Yeah. So he got him to get the helmet, game-worn, signed it for me. And I'm, I'm, I'm like four years old when this is. So that's my my favorite thing I have in this house is that right there. So. All right. Look, stand by one second. I want to show All you right. something I got. I, I, you're going to like this. And then I want to ask you guys a question. <laughs> Keep this podcast um, rolling. All right, it's a yeah, good time though, to stop. So Pause the podcast. Go stop what you're doing. Make sure you go follow us on Twitter at Second and Victory. Um, you know where to get us there on Instagram as well, um, and always on BroadwaySportsMedia.com. This is a team issued 2009 oh, 50th wow. anniversary yeah. of the NFL. That's cool. I don't know whose I don't know whose helmet it was, but it AJ was. Trapasso. Yeah. Hey. That's still yeah. one of the greatest fakes, Ever. you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Hall of it Fame is. game 2009. But anyway, that's right. I love this thing. That's awesome. Here. It's um, a great helmet. And so that leads me to a question for all you guys. If you collect things like this, mm-hmm. uh, what is the rarest or kind of craziest thing you own? Because this is just mm-hmm. one of two or three things I have. I have one of those um, ponchos that goes over – their shoulder pads, uniform, helmet, the whole deal like they oh, wear wow. on the sidelines. Yeah. A, pu- a Puma one from the Super Bowl year. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's like, a game, great game thing year. to have. I, have. Yeah. I have that. And then from that same year, so we're in the Georgia Dome. The Titans have lost. I've come back up from the locker room. Steve McNair's in tears. Eddie George is in – I mean, it's just gut-wrenching. And – Right next to us was the television booth for network television, and that and Super Bowl 34 was called by Al Michaels and by Boomer Esiason. Mm-hmm. And Boomer is about to chuck his television script into the trash can. I said, Boomer, can I have that? He said, Well, sure you can. I have the ABC Super Bowl 34 television script from that broadcast. That's neat. Wow. Very neat. Yeah, I, I can't beat that. And I'm not trying I to play this, top. This is, I know, I know, I, I, know, know, I know, I know. This is one of my favorites. Mike Vrabel autograph rookie card. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. Pretty excited what, about uh, that one. What, uh, what card company is that? Look, um, show it again. I think is it, that a – It's Upper Deck. You see that? Sorry. Got yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. see it now. There we go. I, that's cool. Very nice. I think mine's probably – I think I probably have two instances, so – Obviously, I, all, all you guys know that I'm I'm a huge golf guy. I play college golf, and I always have. Sure. We were going to visit family one time um, in Indiana. They actually lived in, in Carmel, Indiana, so not, not too far from Indianapolis, but we had to go through Indianapolis to get to it. 
But we're going through Kentucky um, on I-65, just going up the interstate. And uh, Kenny Perry, who's on the PJ Tour, and now he's on the Champions Tour. Right um, Kentucky's own. Exactly. Uh, we were going through that area um, <clears throat> on the interstate, and we saw – we had to get off, go to the bathroom and all that. And they had a sign that said this was Kenny Perry's golf course that he had built, like, in his hometown. So we just stepped inside the pro shops, be like, oh, hey, this, that's pretty cool. Just to say we went to Kenny Perry's golf course. Sure. Which for a golf, which for a golf fan is kind of a, a big deal. So, as I'm, we we meet the guy in the shop who like runs the course, and as we're walking out, he kind of said, "Hey kid, here catch," and he tossed it to me, and it was a, a signed golf ball that they kept in the pro shop from Kenny Perry. I said, "Here, nice. you, you can have it." So I had like his, his logo on it, um, and then the other one, which is an absolute wild story. Um, I know we've spoken a lot, a lot about before because me and Chris and Austin, and obviously you've been with the Titans since they've been in Nashville. We've my family's had season tickets um, since before the shovel was even put in the ground to build the stadium. So as soon as it was announced, they're coming to Tennessee. We we've had season tickets. So for, for, forever, honestly, um, we were leaving a game one time and uh, I was young. I was probably five or six years old coming back. Cause I'm from Huntsville, Alabama. So about two hours from Nashville South. Um, we got off the interstate again to get some food. It was a night game. I, these are the, I think it was a preseason game. And we get off the interstate and we have to use the restroom to get some food. So instead of going through the drive-thru, we'll just be like, hey, we're just going to go inside, order while they're cooking our food, use the restroom, come back out, get back on the road and go. So I walk out of the bathroom and I'm walking with my dad. I'm, my mouth kind of like drops and I look over and we're standing in the middle of a KFC and there is Steve McNair standing right there in the line in front of us ordering. And he had a, a, a Wendy's bag in his hand and his kids wanted Wendy's, but he wanted KFC. So on the way home, so we obviously we stood there and talked to him. And he's like, yeah, well, I'm just like leaving the stadium. I really wanted KFC, but my, my kids here wanted Wendy's. So we stopped there and then I stopped here to get it. And so uh, got to talk to him for a couple of minutes and he, uh, it's at my house somewhere, but he's uh, signed a napkin for us, Steve McNair with the number nine on it. And uh, awesome. like a little five, 10 minutes of fame of being able to talk and meet Steve McNair. So those That's are definitely cool. my two, my two stories. And, and what a, what a great, person he was yeah. so, i guarantee you he made you feel like you were the most important person oh, yeah. in that two minutes and he yeah. flashed that million dollar smile and the next thing you know yeah. y'all you guys are on the road to huntsville that's a great yeah, story exactly. one of my all-time yeah. favorites man i love mac love mac. that's cool awesome well Rhett, again hey we cannot thank you enough uh, for hopping on here with us and, and, and cutting up and, and talking some ball we always appreciate it and you know your wisdom and and uh, getting your, get some of your free time. But, uh, again, make sure you follow Rhett Bryan on Twitter, at Rhett B. Tennessee. Like I said, it's one of my favorite things to say. Uh, but thank you again, Rhett. We greatly appreciate it. Yes, sir. It thank is, you very much. It, Thanks, Rhett. It has been my pleasure. I've really enjoyed the conversation. Listen, it, three guys like yourself who love to talk ball, we can talk ball all night, man. Appreciate love it. Rhett. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. As always, tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up.